Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. How are you guys doing today? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus one more time all across this place. We are so pumped that you guys are here. We're going to jump straight into what we have Today we're wrapping up our Church on Fire series, and uh, so we're going to jump straight into it today. I was watching Survivor again this past week, and, uh, and uh, it's become a thing in our home. I don't know what to tell you, but we were watching this past week, and it was one of those episodes, uh, it was like a recap episode where I was seeing a season we had already watched, and uh, it was one of those episodes, so they, were, they had made a fire, and if you've never seen the show... Sometimes you get, you get, they got to make a fire, but then they got to keep the firewood dry because for whatever reason, they see it fit to always put these people on these islands that rain 36 out of the 39 days they're there. And so they were keeping their fire underneath a little awning thing. Well, I guess the fire got too big and it caught the awning on fire. Well, then after it caught the awning on fire, it burned up all their firewood. Well, then at this point, it's in a full-blown, like... Like fires consuming everything. It burned down their house. It burned down their camp. It burned up all their food. It burned up everything. Uh, and as I was watching, I was like, man, like, <laughs> first of all, I would have just quit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I don't need this in my life. I got air conditioning at home. You know what I mean? I can order a pizza. And so, uh, but I, one of the things that I noticed is that everything the fire touched, you could see where the fire was. In other, in other words, everywhere the fire was at, there was evidence that the fire had touched it. And I believe that our lives should be the same way. When we're talking about fire, now if, if you're new at TCA, this is your first time, uh, we've been in a Church on Fire series where we're talking about fire kind of represents the presence of God. And, and so uh, everywhere the presence of God is at, it should be mobilizing and encouraging and moving people to then take that and do something with it. And so everywhere the fire touched on camp, it was, there was an evidence that the fire was there. And hear me, everywhere the presence of God is in your life, it should be evident to the people around you that God has touched your life. Everything that happens in your life, it should be obvious that God is moving in your life. And so the question that I have for us as we're wrapping this series up, and, and, and again, if you are new, this is one of the very few times throughout the year that we preach a message that kind of caters to and, and speaks a little more to our church than it does just anybody. But what I have said every week is if you'll take this and let it get part of you, you, you can use it no matter what church you're a part of, no matter where you go, and no matter how you connect to God in the future. If you'll take what we talk about today and use it, I promise you it will change your life no matter what. And so here's a question I have for you. Have you let what is inside of you impact those that are around you? Have you let what God is doing on the inside of you impact those that are around you? In other words, Jesus inside of you, do, do your coworkers just see you as the same coworker that you were before you met Jesus? Do your coworkers see you as just another person no different than all the unsaved people at your work? Or is there something different about you because there's evidence that fire has touched your life? And I believe that no matter where we are in our life, we should be living in such a way that it changes the people that are around us. And so look at your neighbor and say change. Say evidence and say fire. All right, if you're at home, look at your dog right now on the pillow next to you and say change. Okay, so there he is just knocked out snoring. Okay, so because there's a difference between a flicker and a flame. Look at your neighbor and say flicker. Look at him and say flame. Turn to the person you just neglected on the other side of you now. 
right? You just gave them the nasty cold shoulder, like I don't even see you here, right? It's a flame, all right? So for many of us, God has come along and created a spark in us. And so that he comes along, he creates a spark, and he starts doing something on the inside of us, right? So inside of you, when God comes to your life, is a small spark. It's, 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 a, it's a flicker, really. And one thing that has it's changed you, and, and for your life, it's lit up dark spaces in your life. There's, there's now areas of your life that used to be difficult. They used to be hard. They used, it used to be in those areas God couldn't even touch. But all of a sudden, there's a little flicker in your heart and in your life that God is now changing some things like you don't you just don't quite talk the way you used to you you, there's something different about the way that you carry yourself and when God shows up in our life he does things I said when God shows up in our life he does things he changes things and so there's a flicker that's in our heart The, the spark is Jesus waking you up for your need of forgiveness how many guys ever lived a life where you were just wiling out before you met Jesus how many of y'all got a track record of screw ups before God came along how many of y'all are like, listen, I got a track record of screw ups after God came along, but like, that's a different, right? So, but how many of us will be honest and say that we can remember pre-Jesus and it wasn't good? And for even those of us that grew up in Sunday school, we could acknowledge that maybe even we fell into religion, but we never fell into relationship. So we became committed to church, but we never became committed to Christ. And so I'm going to tell you that then Jesus wakes us up and all of a sudden there's this realization that we need forgiveness and we need grace and what Jesus does for us on the cross. And, and, and if you, this hasn't been clearly explained to you, I want to take a second to make sure you understand genuinely what's happened inside of you as Jesus has taken hold of your heart, as that flicker stepped in, as you woke up and as a light started to show inside of you. See, we were dead in our sins, the Bible says. Like, how many guys remember pre-Jesus that you, you, it didn't have to be convinced for sin to be part of you, right? Like, and so we were dead in our sins and the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, Jesus brought us back to life through the power of the gospel. And the way that he did that is when he went to the cross, he died and paid for our sins in a way we never could. The way we explain is he lived the perfect life and died the death that we deserve to die so that we can experience the eternal life with him in heaven. And so because of what he did on the cross, he paid our way to heaven to spend with forever with him in eternity. And here's the thing that he asks of us. That because we've given him our life, we now do something with our life. And I believe for many of us, we have gotten so caught up on doing things we want, we're not looking at doing the things he's asked. But God is actually calling us. But hear me, the flicker, it's just a spark. But when we let it turn into a flame, it consumes everything. When we let it turn into a flame, hear me, it consumes, it takes hold, everything it touches changes. Just like in the show, everywhere there was fire, it was charred, it was burnt. There, there was an evidence that the fire touched it. And hear me, is there an evidence in your life that God is doing something so powerfully that it's starting to change the environments around you? Because it should. Mark sixteen fifteen says this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now I want to help you out with something. They didn't add pastors in front of that. That's not reserved for like elitist Christians. That's for all of us. Now some of you are like, listen, I just got here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like someone told me we were going to Krispy Kreme and they stopped here. I don't know what's going on. But so 
But hear me, God wants to do something with your life. And so we are supposed to be moving. And so here at CC, we have a code, and part of our code is just one more. That we'll spare no expense because just one more person is always worth it. And so when we're a part of TC, what we're buying into is this idea that we're going to live a life that's full of purpose, full of pursuit, and full of passion after the people that are far from God. And hear me, we have to live that way. And so we see something happen in the book of Acts, and most of our time together is going to be spent in in Luke chapter 5, so you can go there if you have your Bible. But we're going to start um, in Acts because I want to show you something. You see, we actually see this happen in the book of Acts. Acts 1.8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How many of you guys love God? Raise your hand right now. Okay, very good. Some of you are like, ah, I'm on the fence. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, we love God. And so here's what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know what that means? That means we're getting on a plane tomorrow and we're going to Jerusalem to be witnesses in Jerusalem. Some of you are like, Lit, let's go, right? So, uh, no, uh, that was a joke, by the way. You see, what he's saying there is he's speaking to people in Jerusalem that are part of Judea and Samaria. And he's saying, you need to go to your city. We're going to go to the city. We're going to go to the nation. And we're going to go to the world. And we're going to let them know exactly who Jesus is. And hear me, that call hasn't changed. That what's going on inside of us should impact the people around us. It should impact our city. It should impact our nation. It should impact our world. But here's the thing. I think Christians kind of fall into this trap. Are you ready? I think Christians love to help poor people overseas, but we don't do a good job helping poor people in our country. Like, man, we really need to, we need to pay $4,000 to go take the gospel overseas. It's like, but what about your neighbor? Like, we need to, we need to make sure we go take it to the furthest people. It's like, yeah, but what about the closest people? You see, God wants what's happening inside of you to touch the people around you. And so Leonard Ravenhill says this, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. So here's what happens in Acts 2, just to catch you up. Acts 2 is happening, and uh, so the Holy Spirit shows up. The Spirit of God shows up. People are in doubt with power. They preach the gospel. Uh, Amazing things happen. Um, And then here's what happens after that, though. They start going to only the people that are like them. So they, they take the gospel out, but they only take it to, for them, uh, the people of Israel. They're only taking it to their people. They're, they're only taking the gospel to, to those that look like them, that are from their heritage. It's, it's reserved for just them. And, and so what happens is, and, and I believe the temptation for us as Christians is to do the same thing. Are you ready? So here's what I believe the temptation for us as Christians to do. is only take the gospel to the people we deem savable. Like, no, 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 that person's way too far gone. I used to run a basketball small group here at TC, and uh, I would tell people, people would come to TC, and they're like, oh, I love basketball. Can I show up and play? And I'm like, all right, listen, Tom, uh, you need to understand something. Because, and if your name is Tom, that was just a random name I picked. So uh, I was like, listen, Tom, I was like, when's the last time you played basketball? He's like, man, I used to play about 25 years ago. I was like, okay, I want to explain something to you. I was like, this small group is not like a bunch of church guys getting together where we're like, we, we shoot, and when we miss, it's like, darn. Okay, that's... I want to be abundantly clear on what this is. I was like, this is an outreach group. I was like, so there's going to be about 30 hood rats in this gym playing ball. 
And we did it for a little over five years. We saw 17 people that I'm telling you right now, if they walked into any church, the church would have deemed them unsavable. We saw 17 people come and put their faith in Jesus Christ through that group. And what I'm here to tell you is, I believe we as Christians, and that's not a dig at other churches. I'm just saying, I believe we as Christians, we are tempted to look and we designate the people that God can reach. Oh, that person's not, nah, that person, there's no way I'm talking to that person. They're too far gone. But I'm here to tell you today, what if the flicker turned enough into a flame that it consumed the people around you, that even the people that seemed too far gone, God started reaching? Because I'm here to tell you, it can do that. Or for some of us, and I think this is probably more like the rest of us, is we're, we, we wait for like, we're like, all right, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to people about Jesus but I'm going to need the clouds to part, a beam of light to come down from the ceiling, smoke to come out from behind me here. And I'm going to need an audible earth-shaking voice. It's like, speak to that person. Okay, so like, we're looking for God to like set the stage for us to let what's inside of us come out of us. But we need the completely perfect scenario. As a matter of fact, like if I can get some Kenny G in the background, right? So just like maybe like a saxophone to set the mood right. And I can talk to him about Jesus. It's like, man, we're, we're like, all right, God, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to, do, I'm going to make it as hard as possible for me to say yes. And God's saying, no, no, I want what's in you to come out of you. And when we go back to Acts, what happens is then Peter gets sent by God to talk to the people that don't look like him. And I'm giving you like the Cliff Notes version of this story because I want you to see something. And so he does. He goes to what they call the Gentiles in the Bible. So it was set aside for the Jews. And all of a sudden, Peter goes and starts preaching to the Gentiles, who at this point, they didn't even think could have the gospel. And he starts preaching to them. And as he's preaching to them, he brings them this word. And all of a sudden, something crazy breaks out in another city, in a church in Antioch. In, in Acts 11, 19 through 21, I want, I want you to see what happens here, okay? And, and then we're going to get to the preaching in a second, but I, I want to catch you guys up on something. This is why it's so important that we, we exist with a church on fire. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, because Stephen got stoned, okay? So if you didn't know, uh, Stephen preaching the gospel, he gets stoned, and I'm not talking about recreationally, okay? So, uh, so it was a different stoning. And so uh, he gets stoned, and so he's dead, and all of a sudden the disciples and everyone that's of God, like, they scatter, all right? So they're, they're out. <clears throat> and now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews, okay? Some of them, however, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus, and the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You see, the Antioch church gets built. And the beautiful thing about the Antioch church in that time is it wasn't just made up of just people that looked right or fit the qualification standard or fit the mold or or looked like the people that were savable. Hear me, they were the ones that everyone else in the other churches deemed unsavable, unfit, unworthy. And I'm going to tell you today that it got so powerful. What God was doing at the Antioch church grew so fast and so rapidly that the Jerusalem church, the church that had originally sent them out started to die in their old ways. And the Antioch church started to grow in their ways that they started having to send resources to the old church, keeping them alive. And I believe what's happening right now, both in our nation and around the world is churches who have been too married to the way they used to do things are dying. And I don't celebrate that. 
I'm just giving you the information. Churches that have been too married to making sure they reach the people that look like them, talk like them, smell like them, act like them, are dying. And hear me, God is starting to supernaturally visit places where it doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what background you came from, doesn't matter what you smell like, doesn't matter who you are, I don't care who your parents are, I don't care how much money you have. The gospel has come to change people's lives and bring dead people back to life through the spirit of God. Can I get an amen on that church? Okay, so... I'm going to tell you that when God shows up, he wants to do something amazing. And I believe that he's doing something amazing right here at Church on Fire. And so here's what I believe. And I want to give these to you and then we'll get moving. Is that Jesus wants to do some things in us. And I want to give you three things of what Jesus wants to do in us. Let's go to Luke 5. Because that's where we see this story in and in Luke 5, 21 through 24. Some of you have heard this story. We've preached on this story before, but I'm going to give it to you again. 21 through 24. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies. And so to catch you up, if you don't, oh, I'm sorry, 18 through 20, my bad, 18 through 20. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed, a man who was paralyzed. Say paralyzed. As you're at home, say paralyzed. Okay, perfect. There you go. And they were seeing, uh, seeking to bring him in. So Jesus is in a city. He's, he's healing. He's preaching to people. And so a paralyzed man, they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the roof. Listen, I just want some people in my life that'll lower me through the roof to get to Jesus or pizza. Okay, so let's go. All right, so depends on what, where I'm at in life that time. Okay, so they went on the roof. They let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So I want you to think about this for a second. I don't know how y'all read y'all's Bible. This is how I read mine. Okay, so like, Jesus is preaching and he's teaching and he's healing and he's there. And I picture him kind of sitting on a chair. That's just why I'm at. I don't know. You do what you want. Okay, so he's sitting there on a chair and he's communicating. And all of a sudden, it's like there's some noise up above, you know, like just like, oh, that's peculiar. And all of a sudden, this guy is just getting lowered down like a Houdini trick, you know, just like, and Jesus is like, well, this ain't this something, you know, just... Like, like the guy gets a grand entrance in front of Jesus and they bring him down. And so they let him down with his bed through that. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. You see, what I want you to understand here is that Jesus has a desire to seal what he has started in you. And for some of us, I think that we, we're, we come to Jesus and we're entertaining what God is. We're, we're like, man, maybe this is going to help me get that promotion that I'm wanting. Maybe this is going to help me uh, get wealthy. Maybe this is going to help bring in. Maybe I'm going to find the right person to marry because, because I got my life right with God. Maybe he's going to bring some of these earthly things to me. Hear me. God is not as interested in your temporary as he is in your eternal. And so we're, some of us, we think we're going to come to God and he's automatically going to make all these earthly things become blessed and our, our career is going to flourish and our, and our degree is going to go well and we're going to find the perfect husband or wife and we're gonna, things are just going to start rolling. And hear me, maybe those things happen for you, but that is not the reason we come to God. We come to God because our eternity without him is hell and our eternity with him is heaven and the glory of who God is wakes us up to how bad of a person we can truly be left to our own. And he wakes us up with grace and says, no, 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 I want you to come to me, not so that you can get anything from me, but so that you can get me. But hear me, when he does that, he also seals it. He says, if I have you, Nobody else can have you. Not as in uh, a way of saying like you can't pursue anything else. He's saying when, when God steps into your life, he says, you know what? 
I'm forgiving you of all the things of your past. And now you don't have to worry about whether or not the world can steal you from me because I've taken you from the world. You're mine. And there's no better hands you could ever be in than in the hands of Jesus Christ. So he seals what he started in you. Listen to me. Some of you are looking for perfection in your life to think that God has completed what he started. Can I help you out with something for just a second? He will never complete what he started until the day you see him face to face. That means from now until then, you're on a journey of him helping make you what we call sanctified or right or holy or right. You're in a process of increase, but you're never in a moment of fulfillment till we see him face to face. That should cause all of us to take a deep sigh of relief. Like, because for some of you, you've been trying to get good enough to earn God's favor in your life, and it's impossible. Because in our own ways, we can never measure up to who God is. And so he seals what he started in you, seals it completely. Let's go keep going, Luke 5, 21 through 24. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question. So these are the religious cats, right? They start questioning, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemy? So Jesus just said, son, your sins are forgiven. And they're going, who is this that's speaking blasphemies and forgiving sins, right? He says, who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? So again, this is a paralyzed man. Jesus didn't look at him and say, get up and walk yet. He said, hey, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees start going, hey, you don't have the ability to forgive sins. And he's going, what do you think is easier, to tell someone their sins are forgiven or to tell them to get up and walk? And they're going, well, obviously it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because we can't see whether or not that's actually happening, right? But that you may know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And here's where I want us to grab a hold of something that Jesus is doing. You see, the man came to Jesus paralyzed with a need. How many of you guys have ever needed something from God? Just go ahead and raise your hand. You, You needed him to come through. You needed peace. You needed joy. Maybe you needed a healing. Maybe you needed a breakthrough in your finances. Maybe you needed somebody that was sick uh, in your family. You needed God to move on that. Maybe you just needed, you needed that dark cloud above your head to go away. Maybe you needed God to just show up in a powerful way. We've all needed something from God. One more time, everybody needed something from God. You've needed him to move in your life. You've cried out in the midnight hour. You've gone to your prayer closet. You've knelt down beside your bed. You've sat in that hospital room. You've been in a place where you're saying, I need you. I need you to move. I need you to show up. None of this is working. The doctors are saying this. My boss is saying this. Nothing looks right. And you're saying, God, I need you to show up. And all of a sudden we come to God and I'm here to tell you today that when we show up and we show up with a need, what he looks at us is he doesn't look at us to heal the thing we wanted. He looks at us to heal the thing we needed. When the paralyzed man comes to Jesus, he's looking to get his legs working again. And Jesus said, I'm going to get your life working again. Because when we come to Jesus, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has a a desire to heal what is broken in you. But what is broken in you is not always the things that you see in yourself. Sometimes it's the thing you didn't even know you needed to be healed. For some of us, we're looking for God to touch our finances. What he wants to do is touch our joylessness. For some of you, you think you'll get joy again when your finances get right. He said, how about you get joy in me and I'll make everything all right. 
See, some of us are looking for God to, to do the things we want, the way we want him to do it, how we want him to do it, when we want him to do it. And he's saying, how about I do the things that I'll do, and if you'll give your life to me, I'll make sure that whatever those things were either go away and they don't matter, or you get what you were praying for anyways. But either way, I'll be the prize of your life. And so, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has a desire to heal what has broken you. Maybe physically, when the man coming down through the roof, but what about spiritually? What about mentally? What about the bitterness that's in your heart? What about the unforgiveness you have towards that person that hurts you? What about all those areas of your life that you can't seem to let go of? What if God wants to heal the things in you that you didn't even know were broken or you knew were broken and you weren't even bringing those to God yet? You see, the man was looking for his legs back, but God wanted to give him eternal life. And for many of us, we're coming to God looking for the wrong things. Sometimes we can get caught up in whether God is good or not good according to how he answers our prayers. We can become short-sighted in our declaration of God when it's hinging on the back of what he is or isn't doing for me today. God, I don't feel like you're answering my prayers right now, and I just don't know if you're good. Hear me, he is. But Jesus came to save sinners, to give us an eternal reward. His ultimate goal isn't the earthly life with blessings that we can have and none of the pains. His ultimate goal is the eternal life where we get to experience him forever. Hear me today. God's ultimate desire is that we would see him forever in eternity and that he would be our great prize. And if we go through some pain today, if we go through some situations today, if we go through struggles today, but we get God at the end, then it's all worth it because he took us there. But for some of us, we're looking for an easy life today. And we may not ever say this out loud, but some of us would trade an eternity with God for good living today. And God said, I'm asking you to trade good living today for an eternity with me. But when we get God, sometimes he does come through on what we're looking for. And that's what we go, Luke 5, 24 through 26. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Now, this is the crazy part I want you to see. He was just talking to the Pharisees in the verse above, right? He said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise, get up and walk. And their response without us reading it is obviously, it's easy to say that his sins are forgiven because you can just say that and that doesn't mean you're powerful. Jesus is like, bet. That's not, it's not in, okay, that's not in the ESV, but... That's in the BLV. That's a Brad Livingston version. Okay, so Jesus is like, bet. Okay, so this is what he does. He says, since you think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, how about I do both? And Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately, say immediately. Immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home. And what are those last two words right there? Glorifying God. And this is where I believe God wants our lives to represent him. And amazement seized all of them. They were shocked at what God had just done. They were, they were, they couldn't believe it. Amazement seized them all and they glorified God. What did they do? Glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Listen to me, I want you to understand something that when you glorify God for what He's done in your life, it's only a matter of time before the people around you start glorifying God for what He's done in theirs. You see, God wants to use you for the fire to spread because the reality is this His true healing isn't one that we will ever truly experience here. 
where we are, but there where he is. God is bringing us to this place. Even as we're saved and belong to Jesus, there are aspects of our journey that we're going to question God on. Anybody ever questioned God before? Like, God, I don't know about this. I don't even know if you see me. I'm down here. Pensacola, Florida, I'm over here. Like, I don't know if you forgot. So we've been in those places where we're, we're going to be uncertain about the way that life is working out. We've all been through situations where we're like, God, why did I have to go through that? How come you weren't there for me? If you loved me, then why would you? Like, we've all been in those situations. And, and here's what I want you to understand. The reason we can worship God through pain here is because the promise there. The reason we can worship God through our pain here is because the promise that waits us there. You see, this world is not our home. This world is temporary. Listen, everything you love about this life will die one day. Some of y'all are like, this is not really what I came for. So I was hoping for like that cotton candy message where like we feel better afterwards, have a sugar rush and we go home. But I want to encourage you with something today. Because I believe that the church has not learned how to suffer well. And therefore, we don't know what to do with suffering. Because we think God's goodness is measured by how well things go on earth. But I'm here to tell you, what if this is just a journey that we're passing through so that we can get to our ultimate destination, which is where God is. And our pain does not measure God's goodness. Because all of this is temporary. But hear me, Christ paid for what's eternal. He paid that we could experience him forever in all of his glory, which brings us to our last part. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of. Jesus has a desire to reveal his power to everyone around you. Jesus has a desire to reveal his power to everyone around you. He wants what's happening in you to be like a fire that touches everything around you. And it becomes evident that God has been with you, that God has carried you, that God has lifted you, that God has been your joy. He's been your peace. He's been everything that you need. God wants to be everything for you. He wants to show you what you need. He wants to lead you through your pain and your struggle. He wants to hold your hand through your circumstances. God wants to help you endure all of the sleepless nights, all of the crying nights, all of the confusion in your life. I'm here to tell you that God wants to walk you through that pain and that struggle he's here that his power would be revealed in you but also be revealed to the world around you and that's what God is doing I want to take you to John 9 real quick and that's where we're going to kind of wrap up today John 9 1 through 7 is going to pop up on the screen so I'm going to start reading for the sake of time but as Jesus was walking along he saw a man who had been blind from birth and this is, just, this is the story that I want you to see. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. So just to catch you up, they're saying, hey, this guy has got something wrong with him. Why does he have, why is he blind? Is it because, it's, is it because his parents messed up? Like, is it, is it because he did something wrong? His parents did something wrong? Jesus goes, no, neither one of those things are true. And I want you to see what his next words are. Jesus says, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. 
Listen to me. What if everything you went through in your life happened so that people could see your faithfulness as you went through it? What if everything in your life happened so that people could see that God is still good for Christians who struggle? What if everything in your life has been set up and predestined and ordained since the beginning of time that you would navigate that divorce, you would navigate that struggle, you would navigate that pain, you would navigate that addiction, you would navigate that heartache, you would navigate that hurt, you would navigate that loss, you would navigate that sickness, you would navigate that joblessness, you would navigate that demotion. You would navigate everything in your life. And as you would go through it, you would still be faithful to Jesus. And what if everything that you've gone through, what if every struggle, every pain, every hurt that you've ever had, what if everything that you have gone through that has gotten you to this point all happened so that the power of God could be seen in you? What if your faithfulness to persevere through struggle is the very thing the world needs to see? Hear me. The world doesn't need to hear more about how God's going to give you a Mercedes. The world doesn't need to hear more about how you're going to get a big bank account. Doesn't need to hear more about the condo that God's going to give them. Doesn't need to hear more about how sickness will never touch their body. They need to see Christians that persevere through pain and struggle and sickness and hurt and afflictions and addictions. They need to see people who have walked through it and they come out on the other side. I'm so tired of Christians letting people down because we keep talking about a God we don't even serve. This story is so real for me, I'm sorry. Because as I held my baby boy after he took his last breath, And I said, why? Is this something I did? So I held my son. As he was experiencing eternity in heaven. And I was left in my pain on earth. I said, why? And this is the verse that God showed me. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. You guys remember the song we used to sing? This little light of mine. And in there, there's a phrase that says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And I think what the world needs to see is Christians that aren't hiding their pain and struggles under a bushel. But they're just letting the world see it. The world needs to see more of us hurt, but stay faithful. The fire that's burning in us can touch the world when we become faithful. I'm, I'm over on time. Jesus keeps going and he says this, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. Notice Jesus didn't say, I need to carry out the task assigned to me. What did he say? We 
That means everything you experience has been assigned to you. How frustrating is that? Every pain, every struggle, every heartache, every addiction, everything you encounter in this life has been assigned to you. But hear me. Jesus says, take heart. In this world, you you may have troubles. But Jesus says, take heart. Because I have overcome this world. The Jesus that's in you is what the world needs to see. I'll give you this and we'll end. Your story is not just your story to know well. It's God's glory to show and tell. Let the world see you. Let the world see God in you. Because that's what the world needs. Let's go and let's tell the world. On the way out today, I want to encourage you to grab a handful of those Easter invite cards because next week we're going to proclaim the name of Jesus above all things. And let's fill this auditorium three times with people that need to meet him. And so I'm going to end this not nearly as beautifully as I started it. (laughs) On the way out, grab some invite cards. Let's get them here because the world needs to meet Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? Can we put our hands together for him one time? It's time for what's happening in us to work like a fire and touch everything around us. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are so good. And that our losses and our sicknesses and our addictions and our struggles and our hurts and our pains are not the measuring stick of your goodness. Oh, but Jesus, you measured goodness with arms spread wide at the cross. Use us, God, to touch the world around us. We thank you today and we love you. If you're here today, And you would say, Brad, I know about God, but I don't know God and I need to and I want to meet him today. If you want to meet Jesus today, if you want him to touch your life, you want your sins to be forgiven, you want a new life in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me very simply. Because he went to the cross and paid for your sins, all you have to do is put your faith in him. So we're going to pray this prayer. The whole church is going to pray it with you. I'm going to invite you to repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up all across this place.